Ah, Godzilla, that wonderful, terrifying beast who stomped Tokyo as often as he saved it. Well, Big G turned 60 this year, and in his honor, Gareth Edwards has created a new American Godzilla. Here's a teaser. In 1954, we awakened something. Well, those nuclear tests in the Pacific. Not tests. They were trying to kill it. On Tuesday, a line of people began forming hours before the preview screening at Edwards Mira Mesa Cinemas. Gabe Gonzalez was near the front of the line. I'm stoked. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I'm really happy to be seeing it early. I own every single Godzilla ever made, and, you know, I've always been a fan of Godzilla since I was a kid watching them on TV. I have never seen a Godzilla movie in my entire life from beginning to end, so this is actually my first. And I don't know what to expect of it, and so I'm just... Hoping it'll be good. I'm extremely excited. This is the one that's supposed to be the closest to the 1954 original Gojira, especially with like the atomic bombing issues. And so, very excited. I like Godzilla because he does what a monster does. He has to destroy. He has to fight his territory belongs to him. So that's what I'm expecting for this Godzilla. I've heard a lot of great things, and I can't wait to see this tonight. So I'm excited actually. I'm like ready to see what they're gonna do with the remake of this movie. Like this is this is amazing. I'm very excited to see the movie. I've been waiting all year to see it since the teaser trailers came out, and I'm a huge Godzilla fan. I saw the original ones, so I'm very excited to see. The new graphics and the detailing in this one, so I'm excited that they're kind of sticking to the other story. I'm so excited for this one. I don't think this is the most anticipated film for me personally. I'm a huge fan of Godzilla ever since I was practically born, and I've seen every Godzilla incarnation, good or bad ones. But this one just looks good in terms of the special effects, the plot, and what we've learned so far. I just can't wait to half hour from us to see how it goes. That was Gabe Gonzalez. Cesar Ortega, Ann Pham, Calvin Liu, Nelson Rodriguez, Letitia Parker, and Daniel Liu. With a new Godzilla opening for the first time in 10 years, I decided to convene a geek roundtable to discuss the King of the Monsters. My guests are Miguel Rodriguez, host of Monster Island Resort Podcast, Rami Tadaishi, assistant professor of English literature and film studies at National University, and Chris Mowry, writer of the IDW comic Godzilla, Rulers of the Earth. Gentlemen, people in line were pretty excited. So did the film deliver? Did it get anything right? Chris, let's start with you. Uh, one of the things I really liked about it was you could see the attention paid, you know, to the, like, the, the love of the character. It's obvious that the director, Gareth Edwards, really knows the, the franchise. Uh, I spotted a number of Easter eggs in it. It's a great movie for fans, but it was also really well done as far as like it, – it just seemed like the perfect Hollywood Godzilla movie. And, Raimi, what did you think? One thing I liked about it was the scale, just the sheer scale, the size of Godzilla. Um, that impressed me that they were able to do that. You know, with the CGI now, just – you know, they can make him really seem very large in comparison to the buildings and in comparison to the environment. So uh, that aspect impressed me. And, Miguel? For me, the most important thing that I thought it got right – was the fact that they made Godzilla more than just a giant lizard. They took special pains to make him more godlike or even a personification of nature kind of deal. It definitely made him more of an interesting character. I have to say I liked Godzilla a lot, and I liked the fact that he looked so pissed off at times. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and that scale was really great. Now, all of us are fans of the Japanese Godzilla films. We've seen quite a few of them repeatedly. What do you think that the American Godzilla got wrong or didn't quite nail? Miguel? 
Uh, I think it comes down to screen time for the title character. You go to a film called Godzilla and you hope to see uh, at least some significant portions of Godzilla. And there were a couple of times where it seemed like we were about to get a really great scene with the monster and then they would kind of pull the rug out from under you. And if that happens once, okay, but it happened more than once. And I even looked to Raimi next to me at one point later in the movie when it happens again, and we both say, you know what, we're getting kind of impatient with that. I know there needs to be a human element, a human drama to this story, but the balance seemed off. It seemed to be missing Godzilla, and Godzilla really seemed like an incidental player in this film, and that's what kind of bothers me a little bit. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that because to me, if you name your film Godzilla, he needs to be the star. And I felt like he was too much of a supporting player. Oh, Beth, I agree with the thing about Godzilla being a star. And in fact, that's it's something interesting that happened in the 60s is in the, the Japanese trailers. They started marketing Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan as mon- kaiju star or mon- monster stars. So they were the stars of the film. And that's something, yeah, that, that, wasn't, that didn't quite come across in this movie that was more focused on the human story. But one effect that I thought could have been better actually was Godzilla's trademark um, fire breath, his radioactive breath, which seemed more uh, kind of like this ethereal blue mist rather than this really forceful blast. Like I just remember one scene that I really like in particular of the Godzilla breath is Godzilla versus King Ghidra, how that's done. Um, there's that one incredible shot where it's just you see it's a frontal view of Godzilla opening his mouth and this blast of you know this blue fire just roars out at you. And um, I did, in this Godzilla 2014, like the effect of the spines lighting up from the tip of his tail up to the top of his head. Miguel and I both looked at each other. We thought that was really cool. But when the actual breath came out, that was kind of wimpy, honestly. And I wish that had been a lot more stronger, a lot more forceful. Chris, did you think there was anything that was problematic in this one? Some of the problems I had were more along the lines of like the musical cues. The Japanese movies, they get them a lot. They do it a lot better with uh, Ifukube's music. Even though they're repetitive cues, this time I thought that some of them just didn't really match up for what was going on on screen compared to like what I'm used to with, like say, a John Williams score or something like that. But in this instance, they did have some really cool effects for like when Godzilla does appear, all of a sudden like the music will just end and there's like a giant flat like tuba sound or something. You know, I thought those things were interesting, but most of my nitpicks were really pretty much around like that kind of thing. Because this is an American film, I felt like one of the things they tend to focus on is how important the individuals are. Not the individual monsters, but the individual humans. And so to me, it's kind of ridiculous when you've got characters in the midst of all this chaos and turmoil asking like, do you know where my wife is? Can you check on where she is? And it seemed like a very American kind of thing to put that focus back onto the individual like that. I want to see my son. I want to know that he's all right. This guy. This guy knows. He knows where he is. Muskua Tokoda. I want my son. That aspect of the film seemed kind of almost Spielbergian to me, his focus on the individual. (laughs) Chris, you're the writer for IDW's Godzilla Rulers of the Earth. Talk a little bit about Godzilla's character in that and what you think the character design in this movie kind of captured about his personality. What we try to do in the book is kind of get back to the classic or at least for what I refer to as a classic series, like the Showa series. It's the one I grew up with. It's the one most people I know my age grew up with, but also mixing it with a little bit of the Heisei series that came from you know, the mid-90s. So what we try to do in that is make Godzilla 
equally that, you know, that force of nature, but kind of give him personality that he had in the 60s. So he'll, you know, a lot of more, you know, eye movements, you know, making funny quirks every now and then. Stuff that we're allowed to do. You know, sometimes our license holder doesn't let us do that or our licensor. But I felt like his design in this movie, they did carry along some of those elements. They, you know, he absolutely looked irate. You know, he looks just furious at times. And there's a lot of movement. Even though the eye, I didn't see a lot of, like, focal detail. There was a lot. It seemed like there was a lot of layers that they built into the eyeball. But the eyes had emotion to them. There's a certain part in the movie that we won't talk about until everyone's seen it. But th- that was definitely something where I was like, wow, there's a lot of emotion in that character. And physically, the movements that they had, you know, during some of the fight scenes were, I was actually impressed with for anyone that has seen the design, just like on screen without seeing it move, like it definitely moves way more fluid than I thought it was going to. Rami, what did you think about the character design for this Godzilla? It took me a little while to get used to, but I ended up liking it. I thought the the proportions of the head to the body were, those kind of threw me off at first, but I got to like it. I think it was sort of a, to me, it was kind of a mixture of a couple of different designs, it seemed like, but I was fine with it in the end. Miguel, you're a big fan of suit actors, Mm -hmm. which is what the Japanese films are all about. And what probably gave Godzilla such a unique personality to begin with was the fact that it was a person in a suit. What did you think of the fact that this one was all CGI? How did that play for you? I have no choice but to expect it from an American Godzilla movie. So it's just something I have to go in knowing is going to happen and is an inevitability. And I think for what they were able to pull off, I actually think they did quite well. There is, As Chris said, there is a lot of personality there. There are some facial gestures that I really appreciated. Again, I don't want to go too spoilery, but some other actions that Godzilla does that maybe some people who aren't as versed in the Godzilla universe will expect him to do. Uh, and I thought that was really cool. I also really enjoyed the look of his dorsal spines, particularly when swimming through the water. That was probably some of my favorite Godzilla scenes is just the look of them. They're really beautiful. And that's iconic. He's got a great silhouette. My only fear is that we might lose the art of what it takes to make a Godzilla movie in the traditional sense. And I think particularly in America, uh, Americans have this idea that films are supposed to fool us into thinking that what we're seeing on the screen is real. And with the Godzilla films, particularly as they went on over the years, that isn't necessarily the case. You you know, you're not there to be fooled into thinking it's real. It's almost like you're going into another world and it's an alternate dimension of the way a person in a suit looks walking around in a miniature city. Part of the enjoyment of it is knowing and appreciating the craft that goes into making the suit, the craft that goes into the hours upon hours of painstakingly making those buildings, which are not made out of cardboard. They have individual shingles. They have signs. It's an incredible task. And the art that a suit actor has to undergo with hundreds of pounds of foam rubber and fires erupting all around him. One thing I think is can be com- comparable to a Japanese art like No or a Japanese art like Kabuki, where it becomes its own art. And I think way back in 1954, when Tsuburaya did A Man in Suit, just because of time constraints and money constraints, he really would have liked to do stop motion, but he couldn't. But he inadvertently created a new art form that over the years, I mean, pretty much stayed fairly consistent. For 50 years, stayed fairly consistent because artists loved it. 
And there's a great documentary called Bringing Godzilla Down to Size. In it, they interview a lot of art directors and suit makers and the people who made the cities and such. Like right from Inoue, who was working on the very first film and did all the Showa films up through Godzilla 84 and a lot of his protégés that came after. And one word that they use a lot that's repeated is the word tradition. This is a Japanese style. This is a Japanese tradition. And they go as far as to say that, you know, there's a fear and uh, a sadness in the idea that just because of the way the industry works, it won't happen anymore. And that's a fear I share. And I, and I really hope that's not the case. But uh, anyway, that's my... That's my feelings on the matter. But they used a suit for that Snickers commercial. They sure did use a suit for that <laughs> Snickers commercial. That, I have to hand it to you, it looked pretty cool. <laughs> I'm Beth Accomando, and I am speaking with a group of Godzilla fans. They are Miguel Rodriguez, host of Monster Island Resort podcast, Remy Tataishi, assistant professor of English literature and film studies at National University, and Chris Mowry, writer of IDW's Godzilla Rulers of the Earth. What do you think it is that has made Godzilla so popular for so long? This is going to be his 60th year. Mm. There's almost 30 films now. So what contributes to the fact that he's so popular and internationally popular? I think a lot of that popularity goes back to what Miguel was saying about the Godzilla tradition, that it became over the years this kind of art form that's really unique, I think. We see it in Japan a lot in the, the TV shows, um, so you get it every week. And so in Japan, you're sort of accustomed to this thing, and it becomes, yeah, like a tradition that you're used to seeing. And it's kind of a unique one that I don't think it's really replicated to that degree and to that extent, where the industry is geared towards making things like this and the audience expectations are there for it. There's nothing else like that, I think, in any, any other country. And so that's part of its uniqueness and its distinctiveness and why it has um, such great appeal. Even though the, the tradition is there and, it, and it's very respected in Japan, I kind of feel almost like the opposite happened here. But as much as it was like, oh, you make fun of those Godzilla movies. and Oh, look how, look how cheap they look or something like that. I think that appeal is actually what helped the popularity here as well. There's nothing else like it. In our, you know, in motion pictures here in the States. And because of that, you know, all of a sudden it turned into like, oh, here's Godzilla smashing another fake city. And but people loved it and people wanted to see more of it. And then when they got serious, you know, back in the Heisei era, then it was like, oh, okay, wow, Godzilla's back. And man, he's really trashing stuff. And that's kind of cool because now now we just want to see buildings get smashed. So. What the original Godzilla have, because you have to remember, it came out at a time when Monsters on the Loose movies were all over the place. And so, you know, why isn't there 50 years worth of Beast from 20,000 Fathoms movies or 50 years of It Came from Beneath the Sea movies? There isn't. Godzilla was the one that endured. I think there's a unique thing that happened in 1954 when a bunch of Japanese filmmakers had this blending of imagination. You have the producer, Tomoyuki Tanaka, who his imagination was stirred by watching Willis O'Brien's King Kong film, and he had a love for that. And you have a strange director in Ishiro Honda who made war films and did a lot of second unit directing, but he would make um, documentaries about pearl divers and stuff, and he had really interest, uh, an interest in, in human interest stories. And so 
you have the imagination, you have the person who wants to make these human interest stories, and they try to work it together. And on top of all that, I think what really resonates is their shared experiences with the bombs dropping on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, as well as the shared fear all of Japan had following the uh, Lucky Dragon Number no. 5 uh, radiation poisoning that happened after testing H-bombs in the Pacific Ocean. You know, it really seemed like the end of the world was coming, and Godzilla happened at that time. So there's a lot of factors there that make it this myth. It's not just a movie. It's a myth. And... Uh, and I think that's what gives it its power is it becomes not just, oh, another beast on the Rampage movie. It becomes ingrained in our social fabric even more than people want to admit it has been. Well, I think that all comes back to Godzilla is a real character. Mm-hmm. He has personality. It changes over the years and through the films. But I think what resonates is that you get an attachment to him as a character and a personality. And... In a weird way, like zombies, Godzilla (laughs) seems to reflect his times. And he has reflected different fears. Initially, it's the bombs being Mm -hmm. dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the A-bomb testing. And then in the 60s, it becomes pollution. And then in Destroyer, it's the sense of a nuclear meltdown at a reactor. So I think he kind of has progressed. But to me, it all boils down to that personality and character of Godzilla himself. Part of that characterization, and it goes back to what Miguel was talking about, about um, just on the technical level, talking about um, Honda. Another key person to point out is Tsuburaya, who is the special effects director. And without his craftsmanship um, and attention to detail, technical skills, I think that characterization might have been a lot less. I'm still surprised at how many people have not seen either the original Gojira in Japanese, in its original uncut version, or any one of the Godzilla films in Japanese. I know other people think like, of course people haven't seen it. But I still have this naive feeling like, why haven't people seen them? So to go out with, uh, I'd like everybody to make a recommendation of one of the Japanese Godzilla films that people might want to check out either before or after they see Godzilla 2014. Uh, Miguel, what would you like to start with? Well, since I'm going first, I don't think there's any choice but to say the 1954 Gojira, the one that started it all, definitely in its Japanese language, uh, which is available on Blu-ray from Criterion and a beautiful package. And it's very different. If you have seen the American AIP import with Raymond Burr, uh, this is not the same film. It's got a good 40 minutes difference, as a matter of fact, with uh, quite a lot of the uh, nuance that made it such a great film put back in. So definitely go out and see that one. Rami, what would you like to recommend? I would recommend two of the films from 1964, which to me was a banner year for Godzilla. That's where he sort of evolved and he had his monster friends co-starring with him. The two films from 64 are Mothra vs. Godzilla and The Greatest Battle on Earth, both of which I think showed all of the key players in Godzilla. You have um, the director, Honda. You had the writer, Sekizawa. You had Tsuburaya, special effects director, and uh, Ifukube, the composer. All these people just working at the top of their game. I think it all really gelled in 1964 that year. And uh, those two films, I think, are just great examples of that. And Chris, what would you like to recommend? Since Miguel went with 54 and then Raimi went with 64, I'll go with the 30th anniversary and go 84. Another film called Gojira. This was when they kind of were looking to revamp. Godzilla went away in the 70s and they, you know, Toho kind of shelved the movies for a while. I mean, it's not as great as a film as the original. However, this one, 
compared to the American release called Godzilla 1985. There's a lot of things in that 85 movie that were added, such as Raymond Burr, <laughs> um, massive product placement with Dr. Pepper um, nearly in every shot, and a lot of weird things such as like Cold War references. There's a part in the movie where um, a nuclear missile is launched at, at Japan, but the American version, you know, Godzilla 85, it's it's kind of made to seem like this Russian, this crazy Russian who's about to die is like, I just got to get that missile launched. And, you know, no matter what, we're going to nuke Japan and just things like that. It's it's a really different movie. Not one of the greatest ones, but definitely one where you could look at the American release, look at the Japanese release and see a different film. And unfortunately, it's not available in the States, but if you have a Blu-ray player, it is region free or at least region coded for Japan. And that Japanese Blu-ray release is available through, I think, Amazon Japan. And Chris, I think that, that Godzilla 8485 design, that suit design is probably one of my favorites. That was a great um, creature design for Godzilla. Oh, yeah, the big fangs and everything, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, and to go out with, I'm going to recommend Destroy All Monsters simply because it's the greatest cavalcade of monsters that you get to see. There's a, a picture I saw of it, and it reminded me of the teddy bear's picnic where you've got this whole line <laughs> of monsters going out together to have a final battle. Thank you very much, all of you, for coming out here. I want to thank Miguel Rodriguez, host of Monster Island Resort Podcast, Rami Tataishi, Assistant Professor of English and Film Studies at National University, and Chris Mowry, writer of the IDW Godzilla Rulers of the Earth. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Okay.